It's like being awake in a dream. Like watching a movie play out in my mind. Other lives, other versions of me, existing across the multiverse, transmitting a message, a broadcast. Do you remember? We're all eternal. Stars wandering through infinity on a quantum journey back to self. Are you ready? Are you ready? You are listening to Wondering Star Podcast. This is episode six, Lone Wolf. If you are joining us for the first time, we are glad that you found us and thank you for being here. It is important to note that each episode certainly does stand alone as a wonderfully profound story. However, if you would like to have a deeper experience, we invite you to listen to this podcast in order and allow yourself to join in the mystery as we follow the evolution of a single human being's soul to uncover the power and beauty that lies within each of us. Again, thank you for joining. Enjoy. A cycle complete, released from illusions, awakening again to the understanding that I am eternal. I see my body lying on the battlefield, my daughter's anguish, her resilience, her strength. She's okay without me. The warrior within her will persevere. I move on from this life, feel the ethereal magnetism, and my spirit rises. The luminous grid appears, sparkling, buzzing with vibrance. I feel an excited anticipation, the feeling of something I need to go and do. I'm eager to begin again. I wait patiently until I feel the gravitational pull, the release. I fall. It feels like I'm shooting down a long slide, falling, gliding, dropping into new life. It's nighttime. The air is cold, bitter. I'm pressed against a massive rock. I'm wearing large boots up to my knees. They're thick, furry, and worn. I have lots of clothing on, thick, heavy layers of wool and animal hide. A fur-lined hood covers my head. I feel masculine. Next to me on the ground is a canteen and a long gun, a rifle. The ground is frozen. I look around and see I'm sitting in the opening of a cave. The cave is carved into the side of a rocky mountain. Outside, a white blanket of snow sparkles under the moonlight. The dark sea stretches out in the distance. A green luminescence wisps over the calm waters. Pine tree boughs sag beneath the weight of the snow. A shiver runs through my body. 
I feel a threat lurking nearby. I look down at my hands and see they are cut up and bloody. There's a cloth wrapped around both of them. I feel a throbbing in my leg. My left thigh has a piece of cloth wrapped around it. Blood slowly seeps through. I close my eyes, remembering what happened. A white wolf, majestic, predatory, ravenous. I was out looking for food. So was he. We surprised each other. He lunged up at me so fast, his ivory canines bared, steel claws like razors. I put my hands up to shield my face. His teeth ripped through my thick layers and punctured my thigh, tearing into the flesh. I grabbed my gun. Blood dripping from his fangs, he paused for a moment. We locked eyes. His dark eyes were like portals to my soul, suspended in union, a sudden energetic connection. And then he lunged again. With the butt of my shotgun, I fought him off of me. Bruised and momentarily defeated, he limped away. I could have shot him, killed him. He moves in solitude. It would have been easy. But I couldn't do it. It would be like killing myself. I stumbled back to the cave. And now I sit, slumped against the cold, hard rock wall. I look around the space. This cave is my home. There's a pile of smoldering ashes towards the back. Some animal hides and furs layered on the ground make up my bed. I have no food, not much water left in my canteen. I don't have the energy to go hunt tonight. My body is wounded and exhausted. I lean back against the cold rock and wrap a fur around me. The rifle rests on my lap. A sliver of moonlight peeks in. I hear a solitary howl in the distance. I feel its resonance. I feel a mysterious bond to that mystical creature. Daylight breaks. Snow glistens in the morning sun as it rises over the sea. Icicles hang from the opening of the cave, like jagged teeth, like ivory canines. I climb down the rocky cliff, walking slowly, quietly through the snow towards the sea. There's a small village on the water. There's only about 12 small wooden houses scattered along the shoreline. Each has a plume of smoke rising from a chimney on the roof. The smell of wood burning drifts along the water's edge. I'm an outsider. Intuitively, I know, must keep hidden. Someone is looking for me. I'm crouched low, hiding behind a wooden shack. There's a small boy outside. I don't know him. He's about five or six. Straight black hair peeks out under a furry hood. Dark eyes shaped like almonds look at me. Inquisitive. Uncertain. I smile warmly and put my finger to my lips. I'm not certain if he's afraid of me or not. He stares deeply into my eyes, then smiles. He gives a quiet giggle, then turns and runs into the shack. He comes back out and giggles again, puts his finger to his lips. He gives me a hunk of bread and a small chunk of meat. The meat is coated in salt, like it's cured. I put it in my coat pocket. He hands me a small bottle and points at my bloody leg. Alcohol. To clean my wounds. I nod in gratitude. 
press my finger to my lips, and cautiously limp into the woods. Back in my cave, I build a small fire and clean up my wounds. I live alone here. I have for a long time. I don't have any family. I don't have any friends. I flash back in time, remembering. I'm about seven or eight years old, sitting outside my home in the snow. Pine trees tower over me. A sunbeam shines through dense gray clouds that hover over the sea. I'm holding a branch with bright red berries on it. I like to pick the berries off and smash them between my fingers. They stain my little fingers red. I smash a plump berry and watch the juice trickle down my fingers. It drips off my fingers onto the snowy white carpet. I paint the snow red. I feel something bad is about to happen. I see my parents inside our small wooden house. My dad is thin, with black straight hair, high cheekbones, dark eyes. He's putting wood on the fire. He works on the fishing boats that come into the nearby harbor. My mom has long dark hair and a thick braid, an ivory wool sweater, dark eyes. She's beautiful. She's pouring tea into a silver urn, making dinner over the fire. They call me Zin. Dusk settles in. Playing in the thick pine trees, I hear gunshots and press myself flat to the ground. Heavy footsteps on the porch. Heavy boots crunching in the snow. I feel someone outside looking for me. Twilight conceals my small body behind the towering pines. They don't see me. The heavy footsteps move away. I let myself take a quiet breath. Then a fiery blaze erupts. My house is on fire. My parents are inside. Frozen in fear, I can't do anything but watch. The men are still there looking out into the dark woods. I can only see their outlines. I can't tell who they are. Finally, the crunch of snow beneath heavy boots as they leave. I run into the woods through the night until I find a cave. They came looking for something. I'm struck with a feeling of gold. I live in the cave alone for years, foraging, trapping, surviving. I gaze out of my cave at night and think of my parents. I see their faces in the moon. I feel their presence in the wispy green luminescence. The haunting howl of the wolf reminds me I'm not alone. I live in the cave until I'm about 14. Then I go down to the small village on the sea to find work. I get a job working in the harbor. Fishing boats come into the harbor. I unload the fish and fillet it. I live in a tiny room in the back of the village market in exchange for my work on the docks. I don't mind the work, but sometimes I miss my cave. I miss the solitude. A clear, crisp morning. The snowy coastline is almost blinding in the late morning sun. The spiraling trills of seals reflect off the glacier walls. I'm cleaning the docks and a boat I've never seen before comes into the harbor. It's larger than the others. They dock the large wooden ship. The captain of the boat barks at me impatiently to unload their haul. His dark eyes scrutinize me. I nod, looking down at my feet. A shiver runs through my body. 
The men that run this boat drink a lot. They're mean, vulgar. The captain yells to his crew. They pile out of the boat and walk down the dock towards the store for more booze. Working alone, I unload the fish off the boat. Dragging a big net full of fish, I stumble as the net is pulled taut. A piece of net is caught on something. I pull hard, trying to release it. Nothing. I go back onto the boat to see what the net is caught on. It's stuck inside a small compartment cut into the bottom of the boat. I grab the net and pull as hard as I can. The compartment opens. It's filled with treasure. Stolen treasure. There's gold, guns, jewelry. Something silvery catches my eye. I move some jewels to the side and reach in and grab a hold of the shiny object. It's a silver urn. The same silver urn that my mom served tea from when I was young. I tuck it under my heavy coat and grab a shotgun and some bullets from the pile of stolen goods. I hear heavy footsteps on the dock approaching the boat. I close the compartment, but not before the captain sees me. He dives towards me, but I move quickly, jumping off the boat onto the dock. He's drunk. He can't keep up with me. I run. Out of the village, into the woods, back into the cave I lived in as a young child. They tell the villagers I am the thief. They tell them all to watch out for me, say I'm a criminal. So I must live in the woods again, alone, in the cave. I pull the silver urn out from under my coat. It's lustrous, smooth. I can smell the fragrant tea my mom would serve from it when I was young. I hold it to my heart. Years have passed since then, alone in the wilderness, an outcast living in a cave, I have survived. Looking out at the night sky, wispy green and pink northern lights paint the horizon. My wounds from the white wolf have mostly healed. I know I need to leave here. I need more food than what I can get here. It's time to leave the solace of my reclusive cave. I creep down into the village under the cover of darkness. I find an old man sleeping on his small boat. I offer him some meat I have saved in exchange for a ride away from here. He agrees and takes me up into a fjord. His wooden boat is very small, filled with fishing gear. I hide under thick blankets so nobody can see me. The old man doesn't seem to know who I am, or if he does, he doesn't care. Along the glacier coastline, we travel for two days. Icy seawater splashes into the sides of the boat as we slam into choppy waves. The lashing winds cut to the bone. We don't see any other boats as we continue up into the fjord. We arrive at another village, larger than the one I came from. I've never been here before. Nobody here knows who I am. As we pull into the harbor, I see a large gray whale beached on the shore. There's people gathered around him, panicked, angry. The whale is seriously injured. There's a spear stuck in his side, the tip of it broken off deep in his flesh. It looks very infected. Nobody seems to know what to do. I walk over and kneel down next to the whale. Everyone is looking at me eyeing up the stranger that just arrived on a small fishing boat. I stroke the whale's smooth, rubbery skin. Then I reach in and pull the spear out of the whale. Someone hands me some blubber and I pack it in the wound. 
He lets out a faint whistle, like a sigh of relief. I saved his life. Nobody can understand who would do this. We don't hunt and kill whales here. They're sacred. Only someone evil, greedy, would do this. I have a feeling I know who it was. The people here like me. I saved the whale, an act they all deem as heroic. I live in a tiny wooden shack, like the size of an ice-fishing hut that sits right along the coast of the fjord. There's a single bed, a wooden chair, and a wood stove. The whale visits me often. He's not strong enough yet to swim out to sea. I sit with him outside my hut, forming a bond with this magnificent creature, a bond I haven't felt since before my parents were killed. I listen to him sing. There's something about his voice that heals my soul. Then, one day, he stops coming to visit. I understand he needed to go. There's not enough food for him here. I feel a huge loss in his absence. I sit by the sea every day, hoping to hear him sing again. A misty, overcast morning. The frigid air cuts to the bone. I feel trouble coming. I open the door of my shack and see a large boat pulling into the harbor. I recognize the boat, even through the thick fog. It's them, the thieves, the men who killed my parents, the men who shot the whale. I grab my shotgun and fire a shot off into the air to warn the villagers that trouble has arrived. The men on the boat see me and fire at me. I rip a piece of my shirt off and pour alcohol on it. I stuff it into a bottle and light a match. I launch it over at the big boat as it docks. More shots are fired at me. I grab my gun and fire back. The front of the ship starts to catch fire. Other villagers run towards the boat, shooting at the murderous thieves. I sneak away towards the woods. Running quickly towards the cover of the towering pines, I know what's coming. I feel a blast cut straight through my chest. I've been shot. I stumble forward a bit, then fall to the ground. One of the villagers sees me and rushes over. He grabs me behind my shoulders, drags me deeper into the woods, out of sight. He tries to put pressure on my wound, to help me. I shake my head. It's no use. I'm dying. He hears more gunshots and runs away, leaving me alone, laying in the snow painting it red with my blood. I hear the faint crunching of snow behind me, the white wolf. I smile, a cycle complete. And we're back again. I'm Keisha. I'm the facilitator and guide, joined by my co-host, Hillary. She is the writer, the narrator, and the experiencer of these stories that you're listening to. What's up, everyone? Welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> Here we are in, I'm guessing, Greenland, or 
I don't know. Somewhere in the Arctic tundra. Somewhere. Somewhere <laughs> cold. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere really cold. <laughs> yeah, this one was uh, very short, very sort of quiet um, life that we came into this time. Um, I remember... <laughs> the beginning of the session i couldn't stop talking about the boots i was wearing do you remember that yeah like one of the first things i saw were these boots i had on yes and I do remember when i was boots. listening yeah i was listening to the recording when i wrote the story and i was like man i can't just like stop talking about these damn <laughs> boots like because they were so big yeah. and warm and i was just like whoa uh-huh. um yeah it was a little bit um, different coming into this one that, yeah, I was like really unsure about what exactly was happening for a little bit. Cause I was like sitting in the snow up against this rock, like obsessed with these boots that I had on. But, but then I like realized that I'm kind of like bloody and torn up mm. and, um, wasn't quite sure like what happened and, um, yeah, it was like a, a strange feeling coming into it. It kind of just felt like a little bit heavy right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the other ones kind of feel a little bit exciting. And this one just kind of felt like quiet and heavy right, right from the get-go. Uh-huh. That, um, that's definitely and, the sense I was getting in this one, too, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was uh, a pretty slow moving for us, like, in the session. <laughs> there was not... A lot going on um in you know in the life and it um i think this one was probably the shortest session that we had i think you're right um out of all of them yeah um but it was still like still really beautiful of course um it like i remember coming out of it and not being as like excited i don't think as some of the other ones you know where it was like holy shit i was just this like amazonian warrior bitch and like (laughs) or you know i'm creeping around under the pyramids like Uh... finding all these cool drawings and this one was like i was a loner and i lived in a cave and then i like saved a whale and then i got killed (laughs) that was it (laughs) but Um, and so to me, it's like this, the, the obvious things in this one to me seem to be like this, this, um, needing this period of solitude Mm -hmm. and this time of reflection. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can look at it as like, okay, I just came out of that last life, you know, as a woman in my first time taking someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps that plays a significant role in why I needed this this period of like you know solitude and um, you know quietness maybe mm-hmm. even though there you know there was certainly this you know band of hooligans that were after me in this life it wasn't like the um, action packed or as much stuff happening it was like a, a very short experience right. Um, but and there there was some obvious like strong connections with myself and the wolf and then myself and and the whale in this one there was obviously like much stronger connections with animals than humans Mm -hmm. in this one but um what i find is really interesting about this one so okay when we did this session this was um 
this was our second time doing a session remotely. So the first time was in the last one that we did, the Mirror Mirror episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this was the second time we did it. And so um, we wound up doing it on FaceTime. (laughs) um, (laughs) That like, it worked. I mean, there was a few hiccups in the beginning, I recall. But um, I just want to talk a little bit about like where I was specifically when we did this. Because I don't think I've even told this, said this yet, like, so I told everybody that I, you know, closed my business because I had had about enough of that. Um, but then after I did that, um, I sold my house and basically got rid of like everything and bought a camper. And <laughs> my husband and my dog and I hit the road. Um, again, this like, you know, eternal quest for freedom on my part. (laughs) Right. Uh, Um, yeah. So I was just like, screw this life. This isn't working for me anymore. And we, we left and traveled around for a while, just like hanging out in the desert and, um, the beach some and all that. And then we decided that we wanted to, um, find some jobs somewhere just to like meet people and, you know, be more social and just kind of have like a free place to park our camper. Right. So we wind up last year in Idaho and like this absolutely gorgeous, very remote part of Idaho. Basically and like the Greenland of the United States, you're saying, I guess. Literally <laughs> the great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I would go to bed at night and hear the wolves howling outside. I've never seen one there, but there are a ton of them all around. And they're like Canadian gray wolves. They're like 250 pounds. Um, I've seen their tracks and they're fucking huge. <laughs> so um, I've never I've never had that experience before either, like falling asleep at night. I remember like sitting outside at night one time at the campfire and it was like a full moon and the wolves were just going crazy. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, That's amazing. But right. So I'm in Idaho and, and I'm living on a campground and, and working there as well. Um, but it's a very remote area. So it's certainly, you could look at it as a period of, of solitude for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like most of the year up until that point, like most of my entire year last year, I believe was a lot of of solitude just because I had gone from like running this business and constantly being surrounded by people and having clients up my ass all the time. And just like, you know, this like nonstop having to deal with people, um, in a professional way. And I went from that to just like living in the desert with nobody around Mm -hmm. to then living on a campground in Idaho. Um, and it was really, was really cool. And so we do this session while I'm there. Um, and and again, gold shows up in this one, mm-hmm. right? The gold. These guys are stealing the gold. Sure. And does. as soon as the session's done, I remember you and I sitting there like, God, what is the significance with gold? Yeah. And we're talking about it, and then we get off the phone, and I walk outside the camper, and our friend, who's like obsessed with panning for gold, is sitting outside mm. at the picnic table with this huge <laughs> like. Pan, like gold panning setup, and I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Uh, uh, yeah, again, we we still don't know what's up with the gold. So if you have ideas, let us know. But um, the other thing I thought was was really cool and interesting when we, you and I were talking about 
um, like this episode was that I'm so I'm like, you know, we were like working in this campground. So, of course, like other um, campers come in and park there. And each of these campers, like all campers, you know, they have like the name of whatever it is on them. And a lot of them are like these big, ugly, splashy words that are, you know, across it. But there was there was three campers with like three names of campers that I would see more than anyone and for a while, I didn't really even like think anything of it in the campground. You just see the same campers all the time coming and going, whatever. And then one day I'm sitting and I'm looking around and I'm like looking at the names of these campers. And the three ones that I saw the most, the names were Solitude, Reflection, and Momentum. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Um, uh... I just, it's crazy. It's like all the time there's all these little like messages and these little clues everywhere if you pay attention. Absolutely. And it's like, oh, shit. Okay. Because mm-hmm. to me, like that's what this life is, right? Is it's a time of solitude and a time of reflection um, for for this guy living in this Arctic tundra. Um, and that's basically the same for me living in Idaho, you know, last summer. It was like, I knew I really missed being able to do these sessions with you. And so, you know, we, we only did two last year when we were separated Mm -hmm. and I knew I wanted to continue to do more. And we had been talking a bit about how we thought they would could possibly turn into something else. But I felt like, like this time was this sort of like time of like simmering for me. Absolutely. I think you called it like the cauldron. Yeah. Like that's what this life is. It's like, you can equate it to a cauldron. Like all this simmering is happening at this time where it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm having all these different experiences. I'm finally like free of this ball and chain, this business and, and, and the house and all of the things that come with that too you know it's like Mm -hmm. all that stuff that I had to worry about to like um keep up with whatever was suddenly just gone and it was like I didn't have to worry about anything other than you know getting to the next campground or whatever (laughs) right that took a lot of getting used to for me that uh, honestly for the first month I was like I didn't know how to feel about it Mm -hmm. it felt weird of Um, course yeah and yeah, yeah, there was a lot of simmering happening last year. <laughs> um, and this was like, but it was like this time of solitude and reflection, like building up to where then, like towards the end of the year, we started really gaining this momentum. Mm-hmm. And um, and I feel like this was we'll like talk- a time of rest for you before the, the shit hits the fan, as, as we'll see real soon I think it was like I think of it kind of like a time of hibernation and like um like it truly to um gather yourself together for what's about to come yeah yes in both my life now doing all of this and then also in that in in these sessions because a hundred percent yeah we we really needed this this period of rest um because next week things get pretty wild Mm -hmm. pretty wild yeah it's a turning point i believe yeah and that reflection um was there more that you wanted to say about that before i share a little bit or no i don't think so okay well for for me this was a time where 
this was definitely the moment where up until this point, I was 100% convinced that these were all past lives. And even this one. But it was, it was um, during this time, I think, where I started realizing my role more in this. And Mm -hmm. as you're talking about us being in different places, I think um, that had something to do with it. Because I don't know if you remember this, but the first time we did one of these sessions remotely with the app, with the Mirror Mirror, I could barely, there were moments where it was like something came over me and almost put me to sleep. And <laughs> do you remember me telling you that? Absolutely. And yeah. I wasn't <clears throat> even tired. It was truly as if something was like intervening in <laughs> in these sessions. It was, it was strange. And so um, like energetically, I think because I also had to, because when we are in the same, when we're in the same room, I receive information very much and process information emotionally, like in, and that's like a huge part of my processing is through emotion. And so when you weren't here, it was almost as if, I had to process much more with my brain and right. And at first, the first time we did it, I was thinking that my brain was just so overworked that I couldn't, it was so much more, um, brain power than I was used to using because my emotional, um, intelligence wasn't able to work as easily. And <clears throat> so I feel like this is the time where especially with Lone Wolf, where I realized how important my role role is in a different way. And so I did, for me, this is also a time of reflection. And I, I know when we were talking about what we were going, going to share in this session, it came to me, um, I have this, what the wolf means to me is, um, I have a picture of this wolf on my refrigerator that is a wolf that this man that used to buy beads from me. I'm a glass maker and I used to do bead shows. I made a lot of glass beads. And this was many, many years ago, 10 years ago or so. This jeweler, his name is Dan. He owned a wolf sanctuary and he used to, he was also a jeweler and he bought a lot of beads from me. And during the week that I shared with everyone that I had all this information coming through that, um, I knew I was supposed to be doing something else or something more. He was the most significant person that came through during that time. And he came through in a way where he was standing directly across from me and he was showing me my own self through his eyes. And he was telling me, this is why I named this white wolf after you. Cause one of his wolf wolves had pups and he named this white wolf after me. And that's the one that's hanging on my refrigerator. And so, um, if it weren't for Dan and this wolf, they're, they're also very, very important to me even being here doing this, 
this work. I, I know I attribute that this, this work to many people, but for sure. <laughs> Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> but it wasn't until I was talking to you about this where, because I, I, it's this weird thing where I'm like, okay, Keisha, don't make this about you. This is about Hillary's past lives. This is all, you, you know, this isn't about you. But when we were talking about it recently, I was like, wow, like, you know, the mirror, mirror one prior to this was very much the same message that I received from Dan. He was allowing myself, allowing me to see myself through his eyes. And that was a huge part of the reason why I'm here today doing this. And also I think about, um, I think about when you sacrificed your life to go and save the whale in this one. Um, Mm -hmm. The whale is the holder of the Akashic records. That's what the whale represents. And so I, I perceive that moment as this is the session and this is the example where you go and um, it's like you sacrifice your old way of being or who you were prior to doing this up until this point and you're the moment where you're all in you're willing to let go of everything that you were prior to this and or believed you were or who you believed you were or like um, in order to find the answers to these bigger learnings or, or be, um, open to receiving this, this information. And that's, that's what I think about when you went and, um, risked your own life in order to save that whale, Mm -hmm. that whale in this one. And then I think about the, um, the wolf in the end, that moment, I, I'm not saying that I believe that I was the wolf that um, came and ate you in the end. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I do believe, I do believe that, um, because when I, when I hear this in this story, it makes me so happy to know that it made you happy to, um, give yourself to feed this animal and um that it it again sacrificing and being thankful and being grateful and being 100% willing to be vulnerable to do this work and that that's how i overall um mm-hmm that that's my overall take from from this session because all of that is absolutely necessary to move forward to where we're about to go here real soon (laughs) right right Right. and yeah it was like (laughs) sorry go ahead (laughs) i just think it's so cool because you had all of these like you you've had like all of this learning and all of this it just it's so perfect to get you to this point where it's there's nothing going to stop you at this point and mm-hmm. and you're just willing to go i mean you were a, a freaking atheist and so 
<laughs> I feel like this is like the real one where you're like, no, this is there's there's something really huge happening here. <clears throat> um, that's that's what I think is this yeah. one's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because it's like I was just reminded of like, so the mirror mirror one, the episode right before this was the first time we did the remote one, and and we were I was like in this campground and. Um, everybody that like the owners of the campground and the other like work campers that were there, like most people knew what I was doing, um, that I was doing the session with you. Cause I had to, I had to take Walter, my dog up to the camp store. Um, so he wasn't, you know, trying to, to harass me while we were, while we were in the session. And when I was done with that mirror, mirror one, I went like running back up to the <laughs> store to get, um, Bubby. And then everyone, like when they see me come in, they're like, oh my God, how was it? What happened? Where'd you go? Tell us all about it. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I was this badass chick in the Amazon and did it. I told them the whole thing. And they were like, oh man, that's so cool. And then then this one, I remember just like, like slowly walking up to get Bubby. And I was like, man, what even was that like? Like, like that was so boring. Uh, and I go in and I'm trying to just like get Bubby and like slink out before anyone sees me. And then a couple of the girls see me and they're like, ooh, ooh, where'd you go? Where'd you go? What happened? And I was like, <laughs> I'll tell you about it later. I gotta go. <laughs> but I remember feeling like, like, like kind of gypped almost, you know, like, fuck, I only get to do these every so often with Keisha. Cause we don't, you know, live in the same area. And it's like, I was like, man, just feeling like kind of shitty about it almost, you know, but then now I understand. I mean, even after the next one, I understood, Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why yeah. I needed it. But Well, this is why Um, it's so amazing because I didn't feel that way at all because all of the other ones were just so intense the entire time, like constant information coming through, you know, um, like full of excitement and constant, constant, like the information was very rapid. And so this one was just kind of like this, wow, this is such a major contrast from the previous ones that that right. that that's right that's what made it very interesting to me it was like yeah mm-hmm. i can see that i could see that like a bit later after the fact but it was like <laughs> on, if i'm gonna be honest to which i am i was slightly bummed <laughs> um yes. and then and then when i went to write this one so i wrote most of these um this winter when I was back at the same campground in Idaho. So um, I was back on the East Coast in Pennsylvania with Keisha um, and some family for a few months, and we did a bunch of sessions when I was back there. Mm -hmm. And then um, in January of this year, I went back to Idaho, (laughs) and we were the caretakers of this campground. Best time of the year. (laughs) And let me tell you, (laughs) it was absolutely stunning, but what I thought was remote in the summertime was like, I mean, the population of the town that we live in ish is like seven, <laughs> literally seven. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm in this, like <laughs> on this campground in this like 
cabin trailer thing. Um, and it was, I mean, it was honestly the absolute perfect location for me to spend. I spent like two months there literally just writing all of these mm -hmm. pretty much nonstop. Like that's all I basically did. So there, and thank God I did have this to do or else I would have gone bonkers. But <laughs> how perfect. Not much else to do. Yeah. So perfect. I mean, it was truly perfect. The way everything lined up was like, we finished all the sessions. I had written like the first one or two and then was like, okay, I need to write the rest of these. And the timing lined up perfectly that I just so happened to be going to a cabin in remote Idaho for two months. And so... Um, that's where I wrote the rest of these. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember like when I was getting ready to write this one, because like the recording, I didn't add anything really to the story, but I did have to add a lot of um, just description to like the place, you know, and certain things just to like bring the story to life because the recording is pretty sparse. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't, there, there's not like a big meaty story here <laughs> really. Mm -hmm. Um and and but honestly it was like perfect i would just like go outside there's like you know five feet of snow <laughs> I, could, I could i could hear the wolves at night and i was like man what a perfect place to be in and i would like look at the way the snow glistens on the trees and watch how like everything in the morning there it would be so cold that like it just looked like everything was covered in little itty bitty crystals mm -hmm. like it's everything sparkled so much because of the snow and just how It'd be like negative 20 in the morning. <laughs> it was so cold. Oh, um, and we started trying to record them there, but we weren't pleased with the recordings. Um, and then I left Idaho, what, about a month or so ago. So I'm currently in Oregon. <laughs> and we've had a whole mess of like issues trying to figure out how to record because now I'm living on a farm in Oregon and it's like way too noisy to record there. So I found... Uh, I found a spot, but it's funny how like the my living situation has presented challenges that we hadn't foreseen prior to getting into all of this. It's like right. reporting a podcast when you live in a camper in the middle of nowhere can be a bit tricky, but mm -hmm. we've made it work. Um, well, it, so, it always lines up with wherever we are in these, I feel like. so It really does. It really does. And... I, so there's one other story I want to share. It's kind of a, kind of not long, but it's, I think it's just perfect for whatever. So I think it was like literally a couple weeks out. Like it was like after we did this session, even though I thought it was boring, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> not that it was boring, but I just wasn't super excited about it. And, um, but even like leading up maybe before this, I had begun to start to try to like write a little bit about some of the first um, sessions that we had done. And every time I would sit down to write it, I was just like not feeling it. You know, it wasn't, it just wasn't really what I, like, I don't know. It wasn't feeling it. That's all I could really say. And, but we knew that there was something here. And I kept saying like, can you imagine these things like brought to life? Just imagine these stories like, and, you know, you're watching these things play out and it's just like adventure that takes you all over the world through space and time and all this. We just knew that there was something here. Mm -hmm. And so, and this one particular person kept coming to me in like all these various ways. So I had gone to college with this guy. Okay. 
And he was, I think, a, a senior when I was a freshman. And I, I was like, you know, mega dweeb when I was a freshman, <laughs> um, as, as most of us are, but I was pretty dweeby. And he was like, like everybody loved him, right? And he was hilarious, hilarious. And I remember like nights, like sitting up, we were, we were in the same dorm and like the college we went to, there was like 800 kids there at the time I went to it. Um, so you kind of knew like who everyone was. And my dorm was really just this like old stone house. It wasn't even like a big dorm. And he lived in the same dorm as me and everybody would go into his room certain nights and just like sit in there and watch him make these prank phone calls. <laughs> they were so fucking funny. And we would just all be dying, but we had to be quiet too. So you just like see everybody around the room, like laughing into their like armpits, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so, but so I didn't like know, we weren't like, like super homies or anything. Like I knew the guy and I thought he was hilarious, but the odds of him remembering who I was were in my mind slim to none. And, um, so he graduates, whatever. I don't think about this dude for a long time. Okay. And then suddenly he starts like popping up all over the place. And I'm like, wait, like this guy's like famous now. Right. And so I started looking and, and I think it was like one of your daughters. It was, I remember one of them were like, (laughs) I think it was Kenzie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, wait, you went to college with Duncan Trussell? You know Duncan Trussell? And I was like, wait, how do you know about Duncan Trussell? And she's like, uh, duh. Like, he was like, like always on Joe Rogan. He has his own podcast. He does all this cool shit. How do you not know what he's doing? He's the funniest like, person ever. <laughs> like, we all, He's yeah. fucking hilarious. Everybody loves him. And I had no idea that he had, you know, made such a splash in the world. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. But so then I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Start watching. Oh, and I watched Midnight Gospel, which is, I'm sorry, but it's genius. Like uh, that show is so good. Mm-hmm. And listening to his podcast and um, just like following what he's doing or whatever. And, but then it was like still getting these weird moments where it was like, for some reason, like Duncan just kept showing up and I'm like, what the hell? This is weird. Right. <laughs> and you and I are talking about it and you're like, maybe you, Maybe you should just maybe you should just like reach out to him and, and tell him about the shit that we're doing and see what he says. <laughs> like, you're absolutely right. I need to. And so I just want to say that this is normally not anything I would do. I would be, pretty much be like mortified <laughs> to reach out to somebody that I didn't know that well that I haven't seen in like 20 years and be like, hey, how's it going? Um, I've doing some past life regressions and <laughs> thought maybe you'd want to work with me to like figure out whatever. So I sent this the Duncan this long email and I'm just like, okay, here's the deal. Like, I, we're, I'm doing this. I think it's fucking cool. For some reason, your name keeps coming to me. So what the hell? I'm just going to reach out. And of course the man has got like a million projects going on, but he was nice enough to respond back and give me the incredible advice to just start a podcast. Mm -hmm. So just put your shit out there and see what happens. But You have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And he said, just be yourself. And he remembered who Um, you were, I think. Didn't he? He did. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, I remember that dork. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So 
So, right. And so, okay, first of all, the fact that I had no, like, embarrassment or shame mm-hmm. reaching out to this guy was, like, different for me because normally I would have felt really self-conscious about doing something like that, and mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have done it. But I did. And then, I mean, I had n- I didn't even think he was going to get back to me, but then the fact that he did and was just like, just do your thing. Just, like, make a podcast. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. See what happens was like really all I needed to be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Like I'm actually going to do this. Mm-hmm. And you and I were both like super excited. <laughs> I remember like I called you when he wrote me back and you were like, is he going to work with you? And I was like, no, but <laughs> mm-hmm. he gave me good advice and that's all I truly needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then after that though, you, so I was like, yep, this is it. This is the like confirmation that I needed to like move forward with this and take this as like a, a serious project that I want to work on. And um, so, but at this time you and I were both thinking about having like separate podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no clear idea of like what my podcast would look like other than I wanted to talk about these, these sessions. And so then fast forward like a month or, or whatever, and I was in Colorado and you flew out um, to visit. And then me and you and Bubby, my dog, um, drove from Colorado back to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> on that drive. So and I haven't seen Keisha for like nine, ten months. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we had like tons to catch up on. But the whole time we're, we're talking about these like podcast ideas for, for most of the ride. And I think it was like somewhere maybe like in Ohio. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We were like, wait, maybe we should just do one together. (laughs) So we finally had the like realization. It finally hit us that this isn't, like two separate projects that we're supposed to be working on. <laughs> like we're supposed to come together and work on this one thing together. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And, and so there was a lot that was sort of like born on that ride home and we were both really excited. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I go to return the car to the rental company and I'm walking out and I look down at the receipt and the total for my receipt was three hundred and sixty nine dollars for Hertz, and right at the top <laughs> for the hurt for my Hertz <laughs> car rental. And I had been saying too, like, there's something with sound in this whole thing that, mm-hmm. like, I know is going to come together in it. And then I'm like staring at this receipt that says three six nine Hertz on it, and I was like, Shut so up. unbelievable. <laughs> we were just just crazy Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah um so that was sort of like the birth of of all of this was that ride and so we want to say thank you to Duncan Trussell Mm -hmm. for providing the uh the suggestion the advice to just um start the podcast but mostly what we keep coming back to is like just be yourself well yes thank you duncan because i know that we have i think it's fine to share with people we have probably made uh, over 10 attempts i would say at episode one would you say hillary (laughs) 
I mean, we did like the most ridiculous stuff in the beginning, like wrote every single thing and all, all of this. And then I remember finally we got to the point where we were like, where you said it was your suggestion to just imagine that we're sitting across the table from from Duncan <laughs> and he's asking us questions and we're answering the questions. And so that has been super helpful because because we have talked about this so much and we've gone through it. And it's, so for, for us, it's really tricky to... Um, hear it from a different perspective outside of out because we already know all the like we right like this this is our lives now like this is what we do and um to me it's the most important thing that I do in my life right now and so absolutely 100% same (laughs) yeah so we're so in it it's it's been tricky to imagine if somebody else was listening to it does it make sense? Does it sound crazy? Whatever. And so I remember you you giving that suggestion and it was like, oh yeah, perfect. So we just got to the point where we remember, I remind myself of that and because it's true, what we can only be ourselves in this. And um, it, it was also, this, this was that feeling of, um, me doing my own podcast and you doing your own podcast, it was like, I didn't really see my role in like, to me, these were these amazing stories that were coming through for you. And so I didn't really, (laughs) which is hilarious because as we move on, it's like very obvious. I think this lone wolf is the one where it becomes very obvious that this is truly, um, a a participatory um, journey that we're on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the wolf, in symbolism, the wolf, by the way, is very, very, very much symbolic of social connections. Um, And so I think the wolf shows up at the perfect place because in these future ones, there's going to be times where we really, truly um, do want interactions with other, with people who know more than we do. And so, right. Um, yeah. 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 That's kind of setting the stage, I think a little bit for the next, um, the next one. I mean, is, but is there anything else you want to add to this life before I, Mm -mm. no, I think that's it. Um, yeah, we're going to keep this one kind of short because this is what I, I did want to say um, that next week is is sort of, I think, a turning point in all of these. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to move into like the story next week is going to be considerably longer than these have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just <laughs> wanted to like, put that out there before um before you know you, you listen to that episode that it is a bit longer um and there's going to be i think a lot for us to dive into but this is truly where it i i think it would be really really amazing to have people chime in because um they're you know moving through some of these next episodes there are many things that we don't quite 
get. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if anybody is listening and they're like, wait, I know what this is, or I have an idea or whatever, whatever it is, we, we just think this is participatory. This isn't just about like me, these, whatever, these lives that I've lived or these experiences that are coming to me. I think they're coming for me to me for me to share them. Absolutely. And that I think hopefully people will see themselves in a lot of these characters or have different understandings of of what's happening um, but specifically next week is going to be the one where we really really um would love any any um ideas or you know input mm-hmm. um about what's going on because it's a it's a cool one but <laughs> there's some things about it that we're still scratching our head about so <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah that's it for for lone wolf thanks for listening and we'll see you next week thank you bye-bye